A Western. Westerns are the other major genre that tends to work through metaphor. Traditional movie westerns use the wide-open otherworldliness of the American frontier to stand for everything from the quest for personal freedom to general continental expansion to Vietnam. But this is not the complete answer to the question. There's something else that made Firefly feel special. Here is a pre-Serenity moment. When I was fairly new to television writing, I attended the Writers Guild Awards one year. Someone won a WGA award for writing an episode of ER. She got up on the stage, clutched the award, and thanked the creator. It was only a few sentences later that I realized she was referring to Michael Crichton. She hadn't intended to be humorous. The phrasing was totally ingenuous. It was also very apt. When a creator is also a showrunner, he or she really is the god of the show. Joss Whedon, the god of serenity, is that missing element, the key to the lasting appeal, the lasting lure of Firefly. Joss had other brain children before Firefly. I was lucky enough to work with him for five years at Buffy the Vampire Slayer and to write two freelance scripts under his direction at Angel. I was able to observe some of what makes Joss's storytelling so powerful. Any new writer on a Joss Whedon show learns early on that the way not to sell Joss on an idea for an episode of television is to try to sell him on a cool monster, a cool visual, or a cool moment. There always has to be a real reason to tell the story. There has to be a truth exposed through the story, either a truth about the world or a truth about a character, or ideally, both. Joss's takes on gender, the nature of heroism, and the role of religion cannot be separated from the ways he writes his people. This insistence on having a reason to tell the story means that Joss's stories are striving in a very real way to communicate content beyond just a stream of well-imagined fictional events. They set out to do more than simply keep the audience tuned in through the commercial breaks. Which brings us to the other secret ingredient, Joss's attitude toward the viewers. I don't recall Joss ever talking about the audience as a separate identity with an agenda separate or lesser, or greater for that matter, than his own. He writes what interests him, what he would want to see. This is why when Joss writes a surprise, it genuinely surprises. Why his shocking revelations shock us. Why his jokes make us laugh. It's not just that he assumes that you, the viewers, are as smart as him. He assumes in a way that you are him, and that he is you. Not every writer does this. They assume that there is a chance that the viewer is distracted, or very young, or unsophisticated. They try to accommodate. Joss doesn't give you an inch. He demands attention and intelligence, and he rewards it. So, after all that, what better way could there be, really, to invite analysis? Create a world that floats on a layer of metaphor, drench it in big ideas about the world, fill it with real people, and then absolutely demand intelligence of your viewers. Welcome to Serenity. Jane Espenson, Los Angeles, 2007 We've all assembled here today because of a shared interest in Firefly. Unless your interest is actually Fireflies. Sorry, you have purchased this book in error. But how does Firefly fit into the pantheon of sci-fi greats? There can be no doubt that Orson Scott Card knows his sci-fi. And here he explains what it is that makes the Firefly universe special, literary, modern, and smart. He also makes the point that good writers are inspired by good writing. Indeed. Read this and be inspired. Catching Up with the Future by Orson Scott Card It was 25 May, 1977, a workday, supposedly, but it was the opening day of Star Wars. Jay Perry and Lane Johnson and I were editors at a magazine in Salt Lake City. 
We were conscientious employees. We worked hard. We often worked late. We gave an honest day's work for each day's paltry pay. We were also novice science fiction writers. We would spend our lunch hours down in the miserable cafeteria in our building, drinking generic soda pop. You couldn't guess the flavor if someone hid the can. And talking about our ideas for sci-fi stories that would sell, launching brilliant careers that would turn us into the Heinleins, Asimovs, Ellisons, Silverbergs, or Nivens of our generation. So when Lane suggested that we take a long lunch and see Star Wars, it actually caused a moral quandary. A brief one. I suspect that Jay told our boss what we were doing and got tacit permission. He's a better man than I am, and always was. But maybe not. In which case, that was certainly the most wicked thing Jay ever did in his life. And his conscience is still bothering him about it, and it is so wrong of me to tell. When the time rolled around, we were out the door and walking down the street to one of those grand old theaters. The kind with